All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Hello, Nico. It's uh, on the couch with a cup of coffee, I assume. Nico, hello. Definitely on the couch. How are you? Definitely on the couch. Where's the coffee? No, done already. I got up nice and early, and it was a stunning morning, so I made a nice and early cup of coffee. I also had a braai last night, and we had some gin, so I needed a nice early coffee. <laughs> okay, so so I suppose I do have to ask you then. Of course, is mm-hmm. um, did you hear the dedication to Um Nico earlier? No, I missed it actually. <laughs> I, I, I I'm sorry. Was there a to Um Nico? Who's Um Nico? It does yeah, my friend. Does yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I was called Wim, I was like 19 and doing military service. And we did some things for kids where we just showed them. I was in a dog unit and we showed them the other, you know, things with the dogs and attacks. And a, a young kid wasn't much younger than me called me Wim, and it surprised me. So, <laughs> so by, and by the way, I just want to mention, I mean, we, you, uh, we, uh, there was a little bit on Formula One, but I think it's important that we also, you know, talk about our Van der Linde brothers in yeah. the DTM. Yeah. So DTM is a German touring cars, which has been going, I think, since 1999. Uh, a big success where, where big manufacturers race against each other. Um, um, and it's always been very, very competitive. And, and one of the top tiers for motorsports. So if you're any racing driver and you want to prove your metal, there's a few things like Formula One, if you can get into there. Or, um, you know, in America, there's a few series. Mm. Um, and then in Europe, one of the biggest ones is DTM, which is... Um, uh, like I said, German touring cars, and we have the from the Linda brothers um, um, that are racing there. Um, um, and Calvin, which is the older brother, is actually doing quite well. He was leading the championship, I think, until the last race, which was last weekend. Um, yeah. And he's really, um, uh, and his brother Sheldon is also doing well. So Calvin's racing for Audi, Audi Sheldon's racing for BMW. So it's, you know, we should really talk about things like this because it's uh, one of the most difficult series in the world, best drivers. We have two brothers that are really killing it there, doing very, very well. So it's worth watching, and it is on TV. So normally when the races are on, you can watch it. So, um, you know, we should support, definitely always support local. And so, yeah, it's worth, worth um, noting the Funda Linda brothers are doing really well. We like that, and we will certainly do it. So uh, don't forget, we're chatting to Nico, our petrol head. And if you've got any questions for him, we're going to be talking about uh, small SUVs in a moment. And the WhatsApp number is 0614104107. You can also uh, give us a call on 7142006. Nico, I asked you last week um, to maybe do a bit of research on 4x4s that aren't going to break the bank, break our lifestyle, mm. etc., but that are SUVs that might be, if not entry level, at least uh, worthwhile uh, in terms of pricing and not over the top. What have you come up with? Well, the thing is, um, we, 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 uh, a few things. I decided, okay, let me, let me sort of cap this at 300,000 rands, which is <laughs> still a lot of money if you think about it. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to cap uh, our SUVs at 300,000. And then, so we're going to look at anything below that. Of course, there's, mm. if you pay a little bit more, you can get some, some nice, you know, some very nice vehicles. Of course, more money you get, the, the, the better vehicles you get. I think also we must just, you know, we, let's call these, uh, I think you can call them sport utility vehicles or entry-level uh, entry SUVs, SUV sport utility vehicles. But none of them really are what we refer to as 4x4. So when you say 4x4, you normally mean that the car is pulling with all four wheels. So it has some off-road ability. Um, all of these are effectively, um, let's call them city cruiser, city SUVs. They're a little bit higher than a standard car. 
if you live in a rural area, they would make a little bit more sense if the roads aren't great. Or if you now and then like to travel on a gravel road or roads that aren't fabulous, these are a little bit better than, than, than city cars. And, of course, a lot of this is also, you know, the image that, that people want. They want a car that looks a bit more suv if there's a word like that, more SUV-ish. Um, so the cars I've looked at is the Kia Sonnet, and the Ford EcoSport, the Honda WRV, Toyota Urban Cruise, Suzuki Vitara Brezza. You know, just got to um, bear with me because I've got sort of them all over uh, the show, and the Nissan Magnite. Um, yeah. And th- these are the contenders. Um, and, and it's interesting that two of them uh, are on the same platform. So if you look at the, the Magnite, oh, there's another one as well. Um, where is my note? So that effectively is called the uh, Renault Kiga or Kiger, K-I-G-E-R. I guess it's like Tiger called Renault Kiger. Yeah. And that and the Magnite is on the same platform. So in other words, what's under the skin is shared because, of course, Nissan and Renault have this partnership. And we then have the same with um, the Toyota Urban Cruiser and the Suzuki Vitara Brezza. What's under the skin is really shared. Um, so um, even with, you know, if you look at the, the Suzuki and the, uh, the Toyota, they look sort of very similar you can you know, in these cars you can definitely see the dna in the two cars so if i have to look at the design if we start on the outside and i don't know if you know any of these cars that we're talking about and it's difficult to i'm trying i will try and paint a picture of what they look like if you look at a more conservative design it's probably more the suzuki and the toyota so um the urban cruiser and the brezza have more of a sort of basic design with um, you know not too many different design elements that stand out. They look a little bit more conservative, where um, the Kia the, um, is now a little bit, the Sonic is a bit more modern in the design, especially the front end, you know, with the, with the Kia's grill, and it has some aluminium details at the bottom, um, and some nice-looking, you know, and a little bit more sporty fog lights and, and nice design lines. And then I think from the outside, the one that also, to me, makes a big statement is the Magnite, which looks a lot, a lot more modern in the way it has very aggressive daytime running, like a. It looks like a boomerang at the bottom below the lights, which is the daytime running lights, and mm. nice-looking um, uh, sharp uh, lines on the, the headlights themselves. A nice big aggressive grill, and it has, um, like the other cars, actually, all of them have around the wheel arches these black, you know, these black plastic covers that add to that sporty look. So um, I have to say, out of the looks on the outside, the Magnite probably is the one to me that looks the nicest. Although, um, in second place, probably the Kia, um, as, as far as looks on the outside, where the Suzuki and the Toyota tend to be more on the conservative side on their looks. And, of course, then the Honda. Um, and Honda, again, that's actually based on the Jazz, um, the WRV. Um, so, again, it tends to be more of a safe design as opposed to maybe something like a Magna that looks you know, quite, quite different compared to the others. Yeah. So, okay, so Nico... You've given mm-hmm. us a whole bunch of different ones. Mm. Is there any that you rate more than the? I mean, I know you're a big fan of Suzuki. Well, you know, the thing is, well, all of these are good cars, so it's difficult to say. Um, and I, I'm trying. So, so what I try to do is, okay, let me look at each of these and, and say, well, they have different engines and different performance, um, and each of them have pros and cons. And and you know, you you actually, it's nice that you spoil for choice. Again, three hundred thousand is actually still a lot of money. But you're spoiled for choice with a few SUVs or small entry-level SUVs um, and a very competitive market. So that all the manufacturers want to give a good offering. So they, they, all of them have um, uh, Apple CarPlay. You know, that's now available um, in probably most cars if you're buying a new car. So CarPlay, effectively, where you can mirror your phone 
So even if you don't have navigation, you can have your, if you have navigation on the phone, you mirror the phone on the car, and uh, effectively that gives you navigation. So that's a, um, I think a big benefit. Let's look at the engines because maybe that also gives us a bit more info, Michelle. So before I make a choice and rate them, it, you know, let's go through the engines. We'll start with a with a Vitara Brezza, and that's got a 1.5 liter engine. Yeah. So a four cylinder, um, power output is 77 kilowatts, which is actually not bad. And the torque is 138 newtons. So actually fairly good um, you know, power output for a, for a small car. Yeah. The Honda is a little bit less. So the WRV, um, we're now looking at a, um, a smaller um, 1.1 liter four-cylinder engine that develops um, 600, or 66 kilowatts rather and 110 newtons. So definitely down on the power output from the Brezza. Yeah. Um, uh, or rather, um, yeah. So let me get next is the Urban Cruiser. Again, that'll be similar to you know the the, the Suzuki. So we're looking at 77 kilowatts and 138 newton meters of torque. So that's actually not bad at all. Um, if I look at the Magnite, 74 kilowatts, 160 newtons. Um, you know, again, not not bad performance at all. And lastly, which one have I missed now? As I said, with all the cars and all my notes around, I get a little bit confused. I think I've got all of those. So performance-wise, all these cars have very similar engine outputs. Yeah. Um, so you're looking between 66 and 70 kilowatts. Um, all of them offer autom- uh, automatic versions of the vehicles. And um, then they're normally CVTs. CVT is that um, continuous variable transmission. So effectively, it has a transmission that um, doesn't work on gears. It's um, a cones in a belt. So what, what a CVT gearbox is, is normally a very smooth gearbox. You don't actually feel the gear changes, but there tends to be a downside when you're accelerating. There's a bit of a drone from the um, engine itself because what happens now is um, uh, when you're accelerating, let's say you, you want to pass something, the engine would go to a certain uh, RPM, which is close to maximum RPM, and would stay there. So the car just goes faster and faster, and you don't feel the gear changes. So it tends to mean that there's a little bit of a drone in the CVT-type gearboxes. But a lot of people want an entry-level car with automatic gearbox. And that's now what all of these cars offer as a benefit, you know, entry-level car mm. with an automatic gearbox. Okay, so, Nico, we've got a couple of questions for you. Okay. Um, questions and comments and various. Let's start with the audio, like, voice notes, and we'll go on to the written okay. notes as well. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning to all the listeners. Um, yeah, excited to listen to your show now. We're busy traveling from Algoa Bay down towards Cape Town. And quite a coincidence that you're going to be talking about SUVs because we're actually changing or swapping our Bucky for an SUV. But our Bucky is a Land Rover. And we, we've driven a Land Rover Discovery in the past. And we're actually swapping our Bucky for another Land Rover Discovery. And we're going down to Cape Town to pick up a great or a vehicle that's in great condition, a Discovery 4. And they're very rare. It's the V8 petrol version. So, yeah, I am a little bit of a petrol head and not a diesel head. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic, you know, in a country filled with bucky lovers. Um, I think the SUVs are getting squeezed out. And I think the, the smaller SUVs are replacing the, the sedans. Um, you know, there are still SUVs, but yeah, this market is totally dominated by Bucky and the Bucky culture. But yeah, excited about your show. Thanks very much. We're on the road to Cape Town. Cheers, cheers. 
Hi, um, good morning, uh, Michelle. Um, and um, a question to Omnik. Um, this is Franz again from uh, Polokwane. I just want to find out, um, Nick, um, I have a 21-year-old stepdaughter uh, who's at varsity, and um, I want to get her um, one of those small uh, SUVs uh, that is um, below 500,000 for her to travel from home to school every day. So um, I just want to find out what kind of a small SUV can you recommend uh, for a first-time uh, driver? You know, she, she she learned how to drive using her, her mother's old uh, 2010 Toyota Corolla 1.3. So I think now she's perfect. Uh, she's ready to can drive on her own. So I just want to find out from you um, which which one of those cars that you can recommend for a um, a young 21 year old, you know, to drive. It's not that far. It's just uh, from Pretoria East to University of Pretoria. It's in your neighborhood. So I just want to find out which car will suit her better. There we have it. Yeah. So Nika, I've got a bunch of other questions as well for you. But mm -hmm. we'll, get, we'll get to those in a moment. And I would suggest we have to go to a break. So why don't we mm -hmm. go to a break? And when we come back, you're um, going to give us uh, which of those small SUVs you think work. Someone else has asked about the Daihatsu Terios 4x4. Mm -hmm. Someone else has asked, what do you mean by entry level? Okay, so that's another one. <laughs> okay. Someone... Okay, well, well, hang on. Okay, let's do the break. Then we do questions because I'm already going to forget. So okay. do the break and then ask me each one and then we'll, okay. we'll cover each question. Okay, good. Okay. Let's go to the break. Automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. So, Nico, let's start with uh, this idea that SUVs might be replacing sedans. What do you think about that? Do you think that's true? Yeah, so, so the first comment, uh, the guy that's picking up his Disco 4, Discovery, by the way, we, we normally talk about it, it's the shortened Disco, um, I'm sure he knows it. A Disco 4, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant vehicle. Um, he's just going to stop performing at every second town to fill up the tank with that V8. So it's strong, it's really powerful, um, it's just heavy on fuel, but I think the Disco 4 was, a, you know, the Discovery was really a car that's well built and good, uh, a good quality car. I think... Worldwide, that's the trend for manufacturers, Michelle, is, is SUVs. Um, and a lot of that um, is, you know, if you look at it in Europe, I'm not sure why you necessarily need those type of cars. Um, in South Africa, a lot, of, a lot of us have an outdoor lifestyle. A lot of people like going to places. Uh, as I said, a lot of people might have family in rural areas where the roads aren't great. So there's definitely a benefit when you have cars that are slightly higher um, and uh, you can tackle roads that aren't great. A lot of that's also simply just image and, and, and the life, you know, people like cars that, that look a bit more aggressive, that sit a bit more higher, sit higher, you have a bit more of a commanding view over the road. So I would agree that tends to be the, the, the trend that people are moving away from cars and they tend to buy more SUVs. So the sedans aren't as popular as they used to be. And of course, um, as the listener rightly said, the bucking market in South Africa is also quite strong simply because of the practicality of it. You can go away. Um, with your family, you can put a lot of things in there. If you want to take the garbage away, a bucky works beautifully. Um, if you like camping, a bucky is great. So um, the bucky market is very strong. And then um, this, this entry level, and there was a question, what do I mean by entry level? Well, effectively, um, you can go up and, and, and have SUVs that um, if you buy a Bentley Bentayga or a Lamborghini Urus, you're now looking at a few million rands. 
So when I said entry level, I thought, okay, let me look at 300,000 and say, let me pick a car that's below 300,000. So that's what I mean by entry level is sort of the, the starting or the entry level spectrum. The cheapest, cheapest uh, crossover or issue that you can buy is a Suzuki Espresso one liter GL that goes for 149,000. So of course, when you go to 300,000, you have a, a bit more of a choice. Um, the, 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 the call we had as well, um, the listener said, listen, I have a, uh, 500,000, that's a lot of money. So if you have 500,000 rands uh, to look at an SUV, that puts us another 200,000 above what we chose. Yeah. So there, I definitely would look for something that's probably the leader in the segment, which is the Volkswagen T-Cross. Um, yeah. I would say the T-Cross is, is really a ex- exceptional value for money, well-built, um, uh, um, good support by lots of Volkswagen dealerships. Um, you can also, um, that's my number one choice, but you can definitely also consider the Hyundai venue that's actually also fairly popular in the segment if you have more than the line I drew, which was the, the 300,000. So um, let's uh, look at that Suzuki Espresso. I mean, is that good for the 21-year-old who's getting her first car? Well, um, well that's why I say, it, well, that's the budget. And if your budget's for half a million, because he, um, you know, he said my budget's less than 500,000, T-Cross is what I would pick. Volkswagen, uh, um, uh, um, Volkswagen T-Cross definitely for, for, for if my budget is less than 500,000, that's what I would pick. And as my second choice, probably look at the Hyundai venue. Um, there's a question here from someone saying, what about the Renault Duster? And could it tow Ooh. a small caravan on tar roads? The Duster is a very popular choice, Michelle, as well. The Duster um, has done actually, you know, has, has done very well in this segment. So definitely the Renault Duster um, has been quite popular. And that's also an option. You know, that's why I said what's really good here is that you're spoiled for choice. A few years ago, there wouldn't be many options. But this just shows how popular that small SUV um, market is. So the dust is a very popular choice. Uh, and price-wise, um, starting around 200, there's, you know, the, the dust, the 1.6 expression, is about 289,000. Still fitting with our budget below 300,000. So, okay, you've, like, you've, you've, you've thought about them. Oh, and there's, uh, there's another voice note that mm-hmm. we just want to go to. Let's go to it, and you can answer that one as well. Let, okay. We're just trying to find it. Let's go for it. Hi, Michelle. I've got a question for your guest. Um, I want to buy a second-hand 4x4. Um, my question is, uh, which one is much cheaper to maintain, a manual 4x4 or a automatic 4x4? Thank you. This is Jay.com. What do you think? Okay, that's a great choice. Well, second, uh, second-hand 4x4, again, your budget is a determining factor, as always. So it's difficult to recommend. The question is, which one is easier to maintain, manual or auto? Um, if it is a, a torque converter type gearbox, um, uh, then it's actually, those are actually quite reliable. So if you buy any second hand automatic with a torque converter, they're probably out of all the automatic gearboxes. You know, when you're looking at twin clutch gearboxes or CDTs, uh, the torque converters are, are actually they're very reliable type gearboxes. So that would probably be a good one. If you're buying a manual um, uh, 4x4, you don't necessarily know how people have driven or, uh, you know, how hard the clutch has worked. So that's sort of the weakest link. But if the car's had a full service history, it might be okay. Have a look if the clutch has been replaced. But normally clutches aren't that expensive as opposed to when you have problems with automatic gearboxes. So if you have problems with automatic gearboxes, that can be quite a lot of money. Where with a manual car, you simply replace, you know, replacing the clutch is not that expensive. 
So if you look at just replacing a clutch, not, not that expensive. If you look at longevity, if it's a Tiptronic or torque converter or S-Tiptronic or, um, uh, you know, there's different names for them. But if it's a torque converter gearbox, they're actually quite reliable. Okay, so actually what you're saying is potentially go for the manual if it's going to be second-hand just to, to be safe. Yeah, out, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. out of the cars yeah. that you've checked, um, which one would you would you, would so you pick say? Pick a winner in other words. Yeah, pick, pick a, a winner. winner. Pick a card, any <laughs> card. Make, make, no, 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 no. I mean, I had a look at them and, um, you know, they, 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 it's difficult um, to pick because I think all the computers are, are, are very um, good. I would say if you're making your choice, before I pick my choice, um, look at where you're staying. And if you're staying in a smaller town, um, what are the dealerships that are the closest to you? That would be a determining factor so that servicing the car is easy. You don't have to go long distances um, so, and you have good support. If you're living in a city, then you're spoiled for, for more choice because then you can look at more cars. So out of all of these, I think the car that I would choose is the Kia Sonnet. Um, so that's one I, I would say, listen, I, I like the, 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 it offers good value for money. It has um, good support um, in South Africa, lots of Kia dealership, especially in the cities. Uh, the starting price um, is 264000 That's for the 1.5 uh, LX manual. Then you also get the CVT automatic. That's 285 The EX, which is slightly higher spec at 284 which is a manual. And the top of the line, 1.5 EX CVT at 305000 It's a little bit of our budget, so our budget was 300000 So that's effectively what I would pick. But I, in my second choice, I would choose the, the, the new Nissan Magnite. Um, Magnet, rather. Your yeah, Magnite. Um, sorry. The Magnite is just, I, I like the looks. Um, you know, it, it looks that stand out and it's a little bit different. The inside also, I think the inside is probably slightly nicer to me than, than the Kia Sonic. It also has a, a, a digital display. So if you like a, Instead of going for the normal rev count and speedometer and you like something more digital, then my second choice out of these SUVs is the Magnite. And that starts at 256000 um, for the Accenta, which is manual. The automatic is 280000 um, And then the Accenta Plus, which is slightly higher spec, is 282000 And again, yes, for over 300000 the top line. It's uh, quite, a nice, it's quite a nice looking SUV, that Nissan Magnite, eh? Yeah, exactly. I think that's why I say, look-wise, the Magnite is really the one that's the most beautiful out of these ones I've picked. Um, so, again, those are the top two that I would choose, but you can't go wrong with the Toyota. You can't go wrong with the Suzuki. Um, as I said, you are really spoiled for choice. The Honda is always a nice left, left field option, which will go very far. If you like the Duster, that's also good. So, I think these are all good vehicles. Uh, if you want to go look at the car, always the test cars are different ones. Because my opinion might be different from somebody else that reviews cars, and somebody else might say a different opinion again. So these are my choices. Now look at those, go drive them, and, and, and look at what, what also, what is the pricing. Maybe there's some specials. Those also help affect your final decision, definitely. Okay, we've got a quick question. Someone wants to know the Suzuki, Suzuki Jimny. Is it a good buy? Oh, I love the Jimny. The new Jimny is awesome. I think it's out of our budget. Um, it's a little bit more expensive than what we, what, what we looked at. Um, when I look at sort of the, the looks of it, I, I just think the thing is just so so cute. Is it a, is it so a four the, by four? Yes. Yeah, so the Jimny in this case is all-wheel drive. It starts at 307,000, goes up to 365. But what a nice-looking car. So if I had a little bit more, it's not the most practical. It's a small little car. Um, but I just I just think the way the car looks is stunning. I'm a big fan of the, the new Jimny. What a great look, little SUV. And it's four by four, which helps a lot.
So there we go. So we start with the Kia Sonnet. We go to the um, Nissan Magnite under 300 or just at 300. It does pop up a bit more if you have all the extras. And then also the Suzuki Jimny if you are interested as well. Nico, my friend, we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. Have a lovely weekend for that. (laughs) You too, mister. Of course, Nico, our petrol head, giving us all sorts of insights into uh, if you want to buy a 4x4 and uh, certainly some great choices that he's given us there.